Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with Ishmael Hernandez. He is the CEO and founder of the Freedom and Virtue Institute. Amazing story. Megan Kelly, the CEO of Better Together. What an organization inspiring, doing inspiring work to help families in crisis. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, Houston in space architecture, author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is October the 27th, and on this day in 1962, complicated tension-filled negotiations between the United States and the Soviet Union finally resulted in a plan to end the two-week-old Cuban Missile Crisis, a frightening period in which the nuclear holocaust seemed imminent and began to come to an end. Since President John F. Kennedy's October 22nd address warning the Soviets to cease their reckless program to put nuclear weapons in Cuba and announcing a naval quarantine against additional weapons shipped to Cuba, the world held its breath waiting to see whether the two superpowers would come to blows. With no apparent end in the crisis in sight, U.S.'s forces were placed at DEFCON 2, meaning war involving the Strategic Air Command was imminent. On October the 24th, Millions waited to see whether Soviet ships bound for Cuba carrying additional missiles would try to break the U.S. naval blockade around the island. At the last minute, the vessels turned around and returned to the Soviet Union. On October the 26th, Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev responded to the quarantine by sending a long and rather disjointed letter to Kennedy offering a deal. Soviet ships bound for Cuba would not carry any kind of armaments if the United States vowed never to invade Cuba. He pleaded, let us show good sense, and appealed to Kennedy to weigh well with the aggressive political uh, actions that you declared that the USA intends to carry out in international waters would lead to, he said. He followed this with another letter, the letter uh, the next day, offering to remove the missiles from Cuba if the United States would remove nuclear missiles from Turkey. Kennedy and his officials debated the proper U.S. response to these offers. Uh, Attorney General Robert Kennedy ultimately devised an acceptable plan, take up Khrushchev's first offer, and ignore the second. Although the United States had been considering a removal of the missiles from Turkey for some time, agreeing to the Soviet demand for their removal might give the appearance of weakness. Nevertheless, behind the scenes, Russian diplomats were informed that the missiles in Turkey would be removed after the Soviet missiles in Cuba were taken away. This information was accompanied by a threat. If the Cuban missiles were not removed in two days, the United States would resort to military action. It was now Khrushchev's turn to consider an offer to end the standoff. And you know the rest of the story. Well, yesterday, strong GDP data was not enough to keep the stocks from sliding into their lowest level since May after Meta's third quarter earnings continued a two-day tech sell-off. One bright spot was IBM, whose shares bucked the trend and rose almost 5% as investors cheered its bets on generative uh, artificial intelligence. 
Now, this story, I think, is pretty important. In fact, I'm very pleased about it. Representative Mike Johnson from uh, Louisiana, the representative from Louisiana, the newly elected Speaker of the House representative, kicked off his leadership role on Wednesday with a commitment to establish a fiscal commission dedicated to rolling back excessive government spending as a way to reduce inflation. He also called on the Senate and White House to stop ignoring the catastrophe at the southern border. Johnson described the nation's rising $33 trillion national debt as the greatest threat to national security and connected it to the level of inflation that American families have been grappling with in the last few years. The House has been working on passing single-subject appropriation bills to fund each cabinet agency separately, which conservatives argue is the way to reduce wasteful spending. The House lost time in the process, given the votes were frozen while GOP conference searched for a speaker after McCarthy's ousting. Johnson, who was a vice chair of the House GOP conference before his election as speaker, argued that reining in federal spending would help curb inflation. Johnson on Wednesday also empathized that illegal, or emphasized, as you say, that illegal immigration is putting stress on American cities and towns, calling on both parties to come together to address the situation. Johnson revealed that he pledged to members of the GOP conference that he would begin decentralizing the power of the Speaker's office, which is a good thing. I must say, emerging from this entire process, Johnson is an absolutely terrific pick, I think. And we've gone from Kevin McCarthy to uh, a really mega guy. This uh, Johnson guy is just, I think, going to be a terrific uh, Speaker of the House. Well, some uh, majority Republican donors who have spent much of 2023 looking for a Donald Trump alternative are increasingly open to one 2024 candidate. That, of course, is Donald Trump. There is no doubt in my mind that Donald Trump will be the nominee of our party, said Ed Broyhill, a longtime GOP donor who was Trump's North Carolina finance chairman in 2020. The grassroots are a solid foundation for Donald Trump. Earlier this year, Broyhill was considering supporting other candidates like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis or former Vice President Mike Pence, but now he's firmly a Trump supporter. I've met with all the candidates, he said. None are close to the level of support Trump has. So uh, this, I think, is going to probably represent some uh, decreasing donors for the other candidates. And with former President Donald Trump consistently leading the 2024 nominating process, most Republican voters are in agreement that the party should cancel the debates and move on with targeting President Joe Biden. On the heels of several calls to end the Trump-less debates, a new survey found that a majority in the party also want to go in that direction. So uh, cancel the debates. They're a waste of time. Let's uh, get on with the business of... uh, uh, overturning Joe Biden as uh, President of the United States. Well, Maine officials have begun a sweeping search for a mass shooting suspect who opened fire on unsuspecting crowds at multiple locations in Lewiston, Maine, last Wednesday night. As of late last night, the suspect had not been apprehended, leaving thousands of residents sheltering in place. Officials revised the numbers of victims to at least 18 dead and 13 injured as of yesterday evening. The number is down from the initial report Wednesday night of 22 dead and as many as 60 injured. For comparison, the entire state of Maine reported 29 murders in 2022, 15 of which were domestic homicides. The suspect has been identified as a four-year-old Robert Card, an Army reservist who lived in a nearby town. 
Family members said Card had suffered ex- uh, experienced severe mental health issues, saying they had previously contacted U.S. Army officials about their concerns. He also reportedly underwent two weeks of psychiatric inpatient treatment uh, this summer. The cries for help are always out there, aren't they? And sometimes we just as a society ignore, and uh, of course the consequences, these dead and injured people. Well, the U.S. gross domestic product grew at an annualized rate of 4.9% in the third quarter, surpassing analysts' expectations of 4.7% according to preliminary data. The figure represents the fifth straight month of growth in this uh, largest gain in nearly two years. Strong consumer spending, with, which accounts for two-thirds of the GDP, played a pivotal role, rising 4% for the quarter and contributing 2.7 percentage points to the total increase. Despite inflation and rising interest rates, consumers continue to pr- spend on items like cars, restaurants, concert tickets, while exports, private inventory investment, and federal inv- government spending also increased. I suspect the government spending has a lot to do with the increase. However, analysts predict a slowdown with fourth quarter uh, growth projected at 1.5%. Challenges impacting the GDP include the resumption of student loan repayments, a potential government shutdown, and increased long-term interest rates. The Federal Reserve's benchmark short-term rate reached 5.4%, the highest in 22 years, and is likely to remain unchanged at the meeting next week. Some are even saying there's going to be another interest rate increase in December. So interesting. So it's a very difficult environment uh, in which to navigate uh, financially. Well, Israeli troops made uh, limited incursion into Gaza ahead of the anticipated large-scale operation. Timing of the potential full invasion remains unclear. Death toll rises to more than 1,400 Israelis and at least 7,000 Palestinians with more than 210 hostages believed to be held by Hamas. The U.S. military launched airstrikes early Friday on two locations in eastern Syria linked to Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Pentagon said, in retaliation for the slew of drone and missile attacks <coughs> excuse me, against the U.S. bases and personnel in the region that, that began early last week. U.S. strikes uh, reflect the Biden administration's determination to maintain a delicate balance. The U.S. wants to hit Iranian-backed groups that suspected of targeting the U.S. as strongly as possible to deter future aggression, possibly fueled by Israeli's war against Hamas, while also working to avoid inflaming the region and provoking a wider conflict. It's a tough, again, another tough mission. According to the Pentagon, there have been at least 12 attacks on U.S. bases and personnel in Iraq and four in Syria since October the 17th. That is totally unacceptable. And there's been some retaliation for that uh, last night uh, with, with the uh, bombing in Syria. Oh, I don't know. This story has received almost no interest in the uh, mainstream media, but it's so important. The resort town of Alcapoco was struck by Hurricane Otis, a thunderstorm that made landfill on Mexico's Pacific coast on Wednesday. The storm is considered one of those severe to strike the Pacific side of the Mexican peninsula in the state of Guerrero. Mexican officials are trying to uh, determine the level of damage, but little information has surfaced since 30% of Guerrero's homes lost power and the storm effectively knocked out communications in the area. 
The storm was considered so severe that Mexican President uh, Lopez Obrador is currently visiting the city. The president had to reach the area by land since local airports were closed. In fact, there's a picture of him kind of stuck in the mud there. Uh, as of Thursday morning, there are no reports about a death toll, but Mexican officials have admonished the media. They have just begun to uncover the damage since phone service has been cut off. The facade of a shopping center in Acapulco was ripped off, and some videos depicted home guests hiding in windowless restrooms so they would not be injured by flying glass. It's just a mess. You, it's unbelievable. If you get a chance to see the pictures of uh, what happened with Otis coming through Acapulco, it is absolutely devastating what it's done to buildings and to the entire area. The country's Ministry of Defense told the uh, public that 8,000 soldiers had been mobilized to the resort town and others along the Pacific coast to help find survivors and to restore the area. Hurricane Otis made landfall shortly before midnight, after midnight local time on Wednesday. In just 12 hours, it intensified to a tropical storm into Category 5 hurricane with 165-mile-an-hour winds. The National Hurricane Center uh, reported that the storm could produce flash and urban flooding along with mudslides in the areas of higher terrain. I don't think uh, Acapulco is going to be a resort town for uh, a while. It's going to take a while to really establish and rebuild the area because the, the, the devastation is so severe. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulabee's Diner is not only open for great breakfast and lunch, uh, they also are serving dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is terrific. It's a great value. It's informal, and uh, drop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center for dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ishmael Hernandez. He's the CEO of the Freedom and Virtue Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow of Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, we're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. The uh, uh, website is pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. Thank you, William. So let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill. And finally, Congress has made a decision about the new Speaker of the House. Indeed. So when we last spoke last Friday, uh, Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio was weighing his options after, you know, it didn't seem as though he could get, uh, he he couldn't win over the Republican uh, caucus to the extent necessary to become Speaker. That led to a marathon meeting uh, in the GOP caucus, the House GOP caucus on Tuesday, when nine lawmakers pitched their case. Um, and emerging from that meeting as uh, who would ultimately become the, the consensus Republican nominee and ultimately the speaker, uh, the newest House speaker, um, and no doubt your listeners are aware, Representative Mike Johnson out of Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and I'll note here his pitch, his Tuesday pitch, was based on the notion that our $33 trillion debt is our greatest threat to national security. Um, And he he promised decentralization. He promised that instead of leadership uh, crafting 1,500-page bills behind closed doors and then giving lawmakers an hour to pass it, that he would uh, return things to the way they used to work in Congress, uh, perhaps a more functioning level. Um, So this was all music to my ears. I mean, the the, the focus on the deficit, the focus on procedural regularity, um, this is exactly the sort of stuff we've been talking about on multiple Fridays, um, and then they went right to work. Uh, so to his credit, uh, uh, within two days, they had passed uh, uh, an appropriations bill. Um, you know, as we've spoken before, there are 12 of these appropriations bills uh, that Congress has a process to deliberate on. Um, and uh, within two days, they passed an energy appropriations bill that had significant cuts and welcome policy riders. Um, and he's committed to, to doing just that, to passing the remaining six appropriations bills um, as fast as possible, um, as fast as they can cobble together uh, the bills that make sense, that, that achieve the sorts of cuts that he has in mind. Um, so it, to my mind, so far, so good. I, I guess one hiccup is uh, it's widely expected that it's infeasible for the GOP, call, or the, for the House to pass all six remaining 
spending bills before November, midnight November 17th, which is when the next government shutdown would occur. So it's widely expected, and, and indeed he seems to have unanimity uh, in the GOP caucus to kick the can further down the road for like five weeks to January. And of course that is something we've poo-pooed on multiple Fridays. That is something that, that ultimately led to uh, the former Speaker McCarthy's um, getting jettisoned from his role but given uh, uh, Speaker Johnson's sort of immediate commitment to uh, this uh, uh, appropriations process, um, I'm willing to cut him some slack. And it seems as those colleagues are as well. So that's the score as of now in Congress. And, and frankly, I think the wait was worth it. I do, too. I think I just I think it's a major step up from uh, Kevin McCarthy to Mike Johnson. He's I just like the cut of his jib and, and what the yeah, the things that he supports, which I also is, would say is closing the border and uh, getting uh, immigration under control as well. So uh, he's off to a great start. Uh, I quite frankly don't understand why closing down the government for a couple of weeks or 10 days would be such a problem. In order to get these twelve bills passed, well, I'm highly sympathetic to what you say, and I'll just note on that score that shutting down the government isn't actually shutting down the government. I right. mean, they've cut so many loopholes through "quote unquote" shutdowns that, indeed, the vast preponderance of government machinery continues apace. Exactly. So, uh, if we're going to shut down the uh, the economy and shut down free enterprise for two years because of this COVID nonsense. Certainly we could shut down the government for a few days, or shut down uh, the, the full operation of the government for 10 days until all these bills are passed. I think that would be a great step and, and uh, help the American people understand the agenda of uh, Mike Johnson and the Republican Party. So I think that'd be great. Very well put. Thank you. So uh, uh, Trump litigation, maybe you could bring us up to date. Shoot. Uh, so the president is now negotiating two gag orders. Um, we spoke last week about the one issued by Judge Chutkin of the uh, District Court of Columbia. That's in the January 6th trial. That's the one where the far left professor came out against it, the L.A. Times. And subsequently this week, the ACLU has filed a brief in support of President Trump. So, uh, again, that tells you all you need to know. And then Trump took the stand in New York at the order of Judge Aragon um, uh, because Trump had, had posted something or it said something to reporters that the judge took to violate um, the, the existing gag order in that case. The, 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 from the bird's eye view, this sort of bears out all the constitutional fears that we discussed on prior Fridays. I mean, mm -hmm. again, we've got the, the sitting president, um, his administration prosecuting his rival, um, and uh, thereby achieving, you know, a, a silencing effect, you know, while, while he's on the campaign trail. You know, so we're in terra incognita um, when it comes to these sorts of constitutional matters. And I'm just not seeing a great deal of discretion uh, exercised by either judge um, with respect to these delicate matters. Well, there, there was a stay, I think, on the $10,000 fine, if I'm not mistaken, to, to be reviewed by perhaps an appellate court. I'm not sure who's reviewing it, but... Uh, You're exactly right. So that was actually Judge Chutkin stayed her own or paused her own order to allow for the appeal. This is the one in the District Court of Columbia. Um, so I stand corrected. You're exactly right. William Yateman, again, Senior Legal Fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. I hope you check out PacificLegal.org. William, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. All right, coming up, Ismael Hernandez, CEO of the Freedom and Virtue Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Always a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Well, thank you so much. You know, I hadn't piped up our microphone so that, that our listeners didn't hear your intro, your introduction. But uh, Ismail is the CEO of the Freedom and Virtue Institute. Started about eight years ago. Uh, I think it's, your first program was in Tice Elementary School, if I'm not mistaken. And what growth you've experienced? Maybe you can tell us about the Freedom and Virtue Institute. Yes. Well, the Freedom and Virtue Institute started nine years ago, exactly, and. Uh, it's informed by the idea that a free and virtuous society is the best type of society. It's a society that allows individuals to act for themselves and also to, that is informed by certain values, certain habits of behavior that are rooted in the natural law, that law that, that God himself wrote in the human heart and commands us to act in certain ways and to shun certain actions, uh, and that is the best type of society, and we try to do that through simple, practical, meaningful, and replicable projects, especially among the poor, to try to inspire people and to 
encourage people to live in a way that is consistent with their nature, with their with their dignity. And and we have had a great growth, as you say, especially in one of our programs. It's called the Self-Reliance Clubs. And these clubs operate mostly in churches and in public and private schools. And now we are... Uh, last time I spoke with you, we had about 700 students total, and now we have more than 15,000 students uh, in three continents. Uh, we are in Africa and the countries of Uganda and Kenya, and very soon in Tanzania. Uh, we also are in Milwaukee, New York, Michigan, very soon will be in Missouri. Uh, continue to operate here in Southwest Florida and also in in, in uh, the Dominican Republic. And of all places, we will be starting to work very soon in the country of Cuba, believe it or not. Uh, that That's very inspiring to me and very motivating because, you know, my, my history, uh, uh, my father used to be a Marxist who used to go to Cuba uh, to to fight for revolution, and now we are going to Cuba to fight against Marxism. It's just such a beautiful story. I wish we had more time to talk about your personal journey because, again, your dad was, a, as I recall, the head of the Communist Party in uh, uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, you grew up uh, pretty much nursed through the whole notion of uh, Marxism as opposed to free markets. Went to Mississippi to go to college and your your views were transformed based on what you saw with people being able to make their own choices. Exactly. I, I had the opportunity. I was on my way to go to to be a Catholic priest in, in Central America, a Jesuit priest, because this is the mid-1980s, a revolution that was brewing there, and the Jesuits were at the forefront of that, that movement. I was going to be studying in Sandinista, Nicaragua, Huh. where the ideas of liberation theology have been brewed, and I was going to be studying with the masters, those who invented liberation theology, but it never happened when seven Jesuits were murdered in El Salvador in 1987, and that's when they decided not to send us to Nicaragua, and that's how I land in southern Mississippi, of all places, as you as you mentioned. But, but the... What is important to me is, is that that revolutionary seal that was in, implanted in me by my father is needed by those or in those who defend freedom. Yeah. And sometimes we don't see that. We, we have made it a political exercise for the, for the next election uh, uh, talking points. And, and not something that we live in, in, in where it needs to be lived in the everyday affairs of, of society. Such a, uh, such a great story. So, uh, as I recall, the self-reliance clubs is basically young people who are starting their own savings accounts. They're out uh, earning money, picking up, maybe cleaning up the, the yard at the uh, school or whatever it might be, uh, making deposits, and, and basically learning the skills and the habits of being self-reliant. Is, did I pretty much capture that? Yes. Uh, in fact, we, we have all kinds of clubs. Every club is different and every activity is different from, uh, from uh, as you mentioned, doing social service in the community, but also creating products 
and selling those products. It could be farming, it could be arts and crafts, it could be... Uh, we even have in, in, uh, in Michigan a club that builds furniture and sells furniture. Wow. So they, they learn the trade, they make money. And uh, the next uh, uh, stage for the Self-Reliance Clubs is that we want every club to become self-sufficient. In other words, I will not have to be asking for donations one day very soon because the kids will generate the income themselves to sustain the program. In a sense, we will be employed by the students. Isn't that fantastic? Instead of the other way around. Just fantastic for these young people who have been, maybe grown up in families who have been dependent upon welfare to understand that there's an alternative and to learn that early in life. You know, one of the concerns is we have this identity politics going on. Are, are you doing anything to address the whole notion of racism and the, the, the uh, wokeism that's going on here in the United States and around the world? Absolutely. About a year ago, I read this awful book by uh, author called D'Angelo, uh, White Fragility. And uh, it's, a, it's a book that encourages division, racial yeah. division. And that book was being sent, distributed to thousands of CEOs of, of companies across the country, as if that is the way to address the question of, of race. And we decided that we needed to do something. But that something had to be non-political. You know why? Because it is very easy for the left to discard you uh, by calling you a right-wing this or the other. And then they don't have to deal with what you have to say. Right. So we try to create a program that is so-called diversity training, but we call it commonality training. And we challenge the assumptions upon which typical diversity trainings are built by emphasizing in the universal commonality of human dignity that runs across the spectrum of, of humanity regardless of your racial identification, and emphasizing on that every human person is unique, unrepeatable, and necessary. Each one of us is a race of one, because you are unique, unrepeatable, and necessary. And when we frame our attitude towards other people with those kinds of assumptions about the human person, you cannot be a racist. Yeah. It, because it's impossible to appreciate the human person if you see each person as an individual. And that is the answer. The answer to the problems of race in America is not power struggles as in critical race theory. The answer is love. Loving your neighbor. Because love is to will the good of the other. And, and so our training is now growing among, across the spectrum of different companies and corporations. And if anyone that is hearing and wants to explore the possibility of bringing this alternative to diversity training to your workforce, we will be more than glad to, 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 to listen to you. The uh, website is fvinstitute.org, fvinstitute.org. And the very inspiring uh, Ishmael Hernandez is the founder and CEO of the organization, which has grown remarkably in the last eight years, and for good reason. If you've liked 
what you've heard today on this interview. And if you're new to the Freedom and Virtue Institute, I strongly encourage you to support their work. They do wonderful things to help uh, give people a hand up, not a handout. And uh, that's exactly what is needed today. Ismail, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with... Uh, Megan Rose, <laughs> this is another inspiring story. She's the CEO of Better Together. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly, proudly serve on their board. Uh, they help elected officials have winning strategies in the legislature, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Megan Rose. She is the founder and CEO of a terrific organization. It's called Better Together. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. Thank you so much for having me on the show. My pleasure, Megan. Tell us about Better Together. Um, so Better Together is a uh, um, funded nonprofit that works with churches and volunteers to come alongside families that are in crisis and on the verge of losing their children to foster care or struggling with unemployment. 
um, and we connect them to loving volunteers that will open up their homes and care for their children short term, um, or we help mentor them, help them find employment, um, and just help people reach their God-given potential and just giving isolated families that community that they need. And I would imagine under the, today's economic circumstances and what's happening in our economy, you're seeing the need grow and grow. Yes, there is such a significant need um, for the work that we're doing from unemployment to isolation to um, just a lot of families that are just really struggling that just really need um, support to be able to navigate a lot of the complexities and challenges that um, we deal with. I mean, I'm a mom with four young children, and I can't imagine not having a village, not having my support system. Um, but so many families um, are just trying their best and um, don't have people to call when they're going through a difficult time. It's so true. And I, now, uh, just to give you an idea, that uh, the whole notion of if, when pe- kids go into foster care, if there's a, a problem with a drug ad- addiction or lo- homelessness or whatever it might be, many times foster care can get in- involved. Now, apparently the state is so supportive, as I understand it, of uh, Better Together that they are encouraging you know, and supporting people coming into your program because it saves the state a huge amount of money. It, it keeps the family together. Uh, in a shorter period of time, uh, and I, I'm probably not explaining it well, but uh, <laughs> could you elaborate? Yeah, so often, I mean, DCS, the Department of Children and Families, they get millions of calls to the hotline every single year. There's 21,000 kids in Florida foster care. And so when DCS gets that call and they go out, often of time, um, the children do not need to be removed and put into foster care. The family just needs support. Um, We work with families, for an example, we had a mom and a dad who were struggling with an addiction to opiates. They got in a car accident, they got addicted to opiates, which happens to a lot of Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted to seek treatment. Um, DCF um, got called out to their home. Um, They wanted to get treatment, but they had nobody to care for their kids. So we were able to match them with a volunteer host family um, who are not paid. They do this just out of the generosity of their hearts. Wow. Um, they were able to care for the kids while mom and dad were able to get into treatment and get clean, healthy, stable um, for their children. And when they got out of treatment, they helped them with their budget. They helped them get child care lined up. They helped them just put all the pieces of the precious life together and build a really strong foundation. And so these are families that want to help themselves, um, but they need community. They need people to come alongside and support them. Um, so they can accomplish their goals and be able to keep their family together and keep it strong. And it does save the taxpayers a lot of fun, um, money because it's about $45,000 per child per year when they enter state-run foster care. But the, the savings goes far beyond that because it saves the family and uh, it just unifies the family in such a wonderful way. And as you describe it, it's not only providing uh, support during this time of crisis, but also the family ends up uh, mentoring, the support family mentoring and providing help in areas like budgeting and uh, self-sufficiency and so forth. So it creates a great relationship. Yeah, it's really beautiful, Bob. Um, And it's amazing just what a little bit of support and community and having somebody in your corner corner can do for a family. Absolutely. Uh, I also want to uh, mention the uh, employment 
uh, helping people to get jobs. And the, the work that you're doing in that area is just so inspiring as well. Maybe you can tell us about it. Um, when we first started this, we had so many families that were struggling and in crisis, and the root cause was financial hardship. Mm -hmm. um, they had either lost their job um, or they needed to upskill. And so we saw the church and volunteers as a really perfect force in the community to be able to help people find jobs. So we work with churches um, actually across the country to host um, loving hope-filled job fairs where people can come as they are and we're more focused on their future instead of their past and they get job coaching um, they get resources they get encouragement and then they get connected to employers that most of the time will hire on the spot and so we've been able to serve over 40,000 job seekers with that program across 24 different states with 60% of the job seekers who walk through the doors getting jobs within six weeks so it's really incredible um, and then there's community that comes out of it. So just like the mentorship, that job coaching builds real relationships that continue to support the families long past the job there. Absolutely. And it's just amazing. In, in fact, in some cases, these are uh, people that have perhaps been incarcerated, come out of prison, can't find a job. And uh, with some mentoring, with some support able to, to, to move on with their lives in a way that's very productive. So uh, amazing work that you do, Megan. Megan, uh, how are you funded? Um, we are funded privately. So we don't accept any government funding. And we work with individuals, foundations, churches, um, corporations, and they help fund our mission and move it forward. So you have a, a gala coming up. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, we're really excited. We are um, hosting our first um, gala um, since 2020, before the world shut down. And it's going to be on November 10th. And 100% of everything we raise at the event is going to go to support the work we're doing in Southwest Florida. Um, we are going to have a really great um, program. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we have Carrie Ellis from Broadway Wicked. Um, she's going to be performing um, several songs. The theme is um, There's No Place Like Home because we believe that the best place for a child is safe at home with their parents. And that's November the 10th. I think it's at the Coconut Point to Hyatt. Yes, November 10th, which is a Friday at the Coconut Point Hyatt. And uh, you can get tickets. I'm looking at the website right now, bettertogetherus.org, bettertogetherus.org, all one word. And uh, go to the website. You can see uh, news and events. You can do the pull-down tab and uh, opportunity to uh, to go to the gala and learn more about the wonderful organization of uh, Better Together. But also, if you're not able that day to attend the event, make a contribution because, again, the work they did, 100% of the money, <laughs> this is not a paid organization. It's just amazing what they accomplish and what they do. And, uh, you know, we talked about helping families, but... Out of curiosity, how many families have you helped, let's say, in the last few months or year in terms of uh, avoiding foster care? So in total, we've been able to help over 7,000 children. Wow. Um, and last year alone, after Hurricane Ian, we were able to help um, close to 3,000 children last year. So there's a great need, and there's still so many families that um, could use the support of what we are doing. So we are grateful for everybody who comes alongside our mission, whether they give, they volunteer, there's a place for everyone. And I think that's the beauty. It's community helping community. 
um, and really stepping up into the lives of families and children that are struggling before the government gets involved. Absolutely. Megan Rose, again, CEO and founder of Better Together. The website, again, is bettertogetherus.org. Megan, you're doing God's work. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. Always just a joy. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. All right, coming up, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's been author of many books. His latest Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. A very interesting read. Also, uh, he writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, Professor. So uh, your latest column uh, in Newsmax, which, by the way, comes out about three times a week, Inflated EV Assessments Deflate Production Incentives. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I've written about this several times, you know, and I'm not a big fan of uh, government pushing electric vehicles. Uh, If people want them, it's fine, but I think this, you know, the whole premise of uh, climate alarm driving automobile markets is nonsense, and even the the Department of Transportation 
admits that you know this has there, there's no net benefit in terms of climate or uh, virtually anything else. Uh, I, I talked this in this uh, recent column about uh, the inflated efficiency standards, and it's tied to the the notion that in order to give incentives for electric vehicles, you you know then they, they've just you know wildly exaggerated the uh, efficiency standards for for electric vehicles. Yeah. By attempting to calculate, you know, the equivalents of you know, energy used for you know petroleum fueled cars versus electric vehicles, and they put a fudge factor on it, and so on, and it, it kind of backfired on them because uh, automobile companies get uh, a fleet uh, benefit in terms of if you if they uh, build so many. Uh, Electric vehicles, and they get these credits, and they're meeting their requirements because they're because they they lose money on them. Yeah, these electric vehicles they cost more to you know to, to manufacture largely because you know because of the batteries and so on. But then they uh, are able to um, make up the difference by charging us more for you know for the lightweight trucks and in you know Ford and and, and others. Uh, so so. What, what they realize now, and some of these green organizations realize that by inflating them, they give the car companies uh, a lot of credit for for building them, so they can actually make more money building the other ones. And so, you know, it's and then they have these cafe standards, you know, and energy efficiency requirements and mandates and so on. So it's all a bunch of convoluted hocus pocus and and. And you know when you, when you have the government controlling the markets, which which is you know pure capitalism and communism, supply side, you know, government control, you know, it's it's doomed to you know, to fail. Mm. And and you know I've mentioned this before, where on top of this insanity, we you know we're forced to uh, put more of these. You know we talk about gas guzzlers in terms of you know the pejorative use on you know fuel fuel cars but they don't mention the energy drainers of the electric vehicles where yeah. you know that electricity has to come from somewhere and sure as heck isn't coming from wind and solar which are three percent or, or less of the energy combined that we use more than 80 percent is from is from uh, fossil energy and then we get some from nuclear and some from hydropower and so on but it's all a big it's all a big scam, and and if and and then of course you have the you know the the need for you know the charging stations and that you know dirty little secret is a lot of them are recharged by uh, fuel generators and you know, diesel generators and so on uh, <laughs> and gas I'm sorry gas generators and and so uh, and and then we put all these electric vehicles in the grid that the government wants. The grids aren't, aren't designed to, to, to support them, and we buy the rare earth materials for the for the batteries from China for the supply chain, where China is building a equivalent of about a new a new uh, coal-fired plant every week. Yeah, and and it's just it's just total insanity piled on insanity, and and people are you know they think they're saving the planet or saving you know energy by driving these things is is a 
is a fantasy. Most most people that have you know, electric vehicles, they pay more. It's usually their second car because they don't use them for long trips, and uh, and, and it's just. Uh, and then we're as taxpayers and and uh, people who drive conventional cars are 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 paying the bill for them, and and uh, you know it's it's another example of government lunacy gone amok. It certainly is, Professor. And, and and what's what's interesting about the whole situation is these cars are now piling up in the lots because uh, the dealer lots because they're not selling like they used to, and uh, so uh, it's it's uh, it's a project run amok, quite frankly. And uh, we need to get back to uh, energy, carbon-based fuels. Uh, and uh, because, again, the entire premise of this entire thing, as you said many times, is that uh, uh, carbon carbon dioxide is plant food. <laughs> we got to make the green or the earth greener by having more carbon dioxide. Professor- I'm a big fan of uh, hybrid cars. I think that you know when they have a battery, you know when it's where it's most efficient, they use yeah small gasoline engine when they're most efficient and. I think I think they make you know they make a lot of sense and so on, but they don't get the same credit that these plugins do. And then of course we plug them in at night when the wind is, when the sun isn't out, and uh, you know it's it's just uh, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, I think I think they're they're kind of neat and so on, uh, but I wouldn't trust one on a long trip. And and the re- recharging times are. Or a big issue, and and uh, I don't really see any net benefit. Now, if people want them, let the market decide that. And and of course, California craziness is going to drive it a lot because they uh, represent, I think, something half or more of all electric vehicles are sold in California. Yeah, because they want to, you know, they want to uh, kill, you know, kill gasoline cars altogether, as as with Biden, but. I think I think also the voters and the, the voters are catching up with this stuff, and they're just tired of government uh, mandating things and controlling markets and and uh, everything from science grants for climate alarmism and everything else. So uh, hopefully, people are waking up. Oh, I think they are. Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston Space Architecture. Again, his latest book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I enjoy it. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I hope you tell your friends that's one of the ways we support our advertisers. And I appreciate you for listening to the show. Thank you so much for patronizing us, and I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.